chapter 5, verse 21. Before I read that, I'm going to back you up to verse 15 where it says this. Paul the Apostle is writing a letter to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. That's why that book is called Ephesians. This is a letter. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this to them. Verse 15 of chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly or live circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Don't be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things. Then 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. And today we're going to be talking about this word submitting or submit or submission. And right there, I, I said it. I said a word that is going to cause some of you to say, oh boy. Can I just reel you back uh, for a minute and ask you to just hold on, hold the phone, give me a minute, and let's come together to revisit in some cases, or to visit for the first time perhaps, a subject that's so important, so powerful, so life-changing, that the enemies worked very hard to um, uh, distract us with understandings about what it means to submit, what it means to be in submission to someone um, that is so completely opposite of what God intends that uh, he's, he's designed to keep us from the blessing God wants for us to know in, as we submit to one another. So give me a, a chance to, and pray, I invite you to pray and ask the Lord to Help you to see this with fresh eyes. Give me a chance to explore it with you. All right, so we're going to talk about what uh, submission is or what does it mean to be in submission. Because as I said just a moment ago, many of us, when we think about that term, we think of it in a very negative light. And why? Because we are we are uh, submerged in a culture that promotes the exact opposite of submission. From the day we're born, everything pushes us towards the value system of being over others. We want to work to a position where we have others under us and our jobs. We want to work to a position where others serve us. We... We have it, we, we, in fact, I, the term submission that we find here in verse 21 of, chap, of chapter 5 of Ephesians is a military term in the Greek, and it means to rank under. If you've ever been in the military, I have not, but I know many of you have. If you've been in the military, you know that's exactly the opposite of military culture. Everything is about... Uh, about um, uh, developing your rank over others. In fact, I don't know of any organization in the world that is more hierarchical than the military. That's not a bad thing in that context, so don't get me wrong. But we have this as the context with which we approach the, the subject of submission. It is so different than what we're used to, than what we're predisposed to uh, value that it just really tweaks us, really challenges us. And that's the point. 
Actually, I live on, on Mare Island here in Vallejo or nearby in Vallejo, and it's a former uh, naval base, <clears throat> naval shipyard. <clears throat> and so everywhere I go around the island, there's uh, memories, memorabilia, things that are left over from when it was a military base. And one of the things I noticed right away is that there is a vast difference between the homes the officers lived in and the quarters that the enlisted single men lived in. Uh, it was, it's just clear as a bell that when you have rank, you use it. And you benefit from it. But Jesus, speaking to us through the Apostle Paul here, says, rank under. Submitting to one another. What a foreign concept that is. But that's what Jesus is talking about. Now keep something here in Ephesians 5 because we're going to come back. But flip a page or two over to the right. We're going to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3, where it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let me say that again. Let me read that again. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Submission is about that. It's about imagining that others are more important than me. That their issues, their problems, their needs are more important to me. I esteem others better, greater than myself. Now, does that mean that God wants us to live as people who lack confidence? People who just are willing to, you know, uh, let others trample over them? No, of course not. There isn't anything in God's call to us to be submitting to one another that's about that. But it's about what's happening in my heart. I want to be the kind of person who is so secure in my relationship with God, knowing that he cares for me, that he loves me, that his, he only wants the best for me, that I don't have to fear you. I can serve you. I can submit to you. I can esteem your needs greater than my own because I know God esteems my needs. God knows what I need. He has promised to be everything I could ever need, so I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to rank over you. I don't have to jockey for position over you. I can rank under. I can, I can decide to rank under, to submit to you because... I'm secure in the love of God. It's not a position of weakness. It's a position of strength. I can offer this to you because I'm strong in my faith in Jesus. Look at the chapter 2 of Philippians uh, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, 
Okay, this is how Jesus thinks. You think like this. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, for Jesus to have asserted his divine prerogatives, his divine rights and privileges, for him to have lived among us as the sovereign Lord, demanding nothing but our servitude, would have been within his rights because he was God. But, verse 7 says, he made himself, he made himself, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God, because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. He would be deserving of that anyway because he's God. But how much more do we honor and exalt and worship this king of ours because he laid aside his divine prerogatives, because he left the immaterial realm and squeezed himself into the material world and beyond that to this little speck in the vastness of his, of his infinite domain and then poured himself into human flesh so that he could save me from my sin. He submitted himself to the death on the cross. They did not take his life. He gave it because he esteemed us worthy. I don't know how that even computes. I can't imagine that. It fuels my worship of God that he would do that for me. So why do we submit to one another? First of all, <clears throat> out of reverence and respect for our Savior's example. He humbled himself. You know, we, we read in Ephesians 5.21, and you can turn back there, that we submit to one another in the fear of God. That, that doesn't mean that we submit to one another because we're afraid of God, what God will do to us if we don't. That word fear there is, is the word for reverence or awe and respect. It's because I am so overwhelmed by the example of my Savior. How could I do otherwise but try to model the way he lived among us? I revere him. I worship him. And so I, I want to live like he lived. Yesterday, I was attending my mother's 80th birthday party. It was a surprise party down in Southern California where she lives. And... I got to thinking about this. I love her because of the sacrifice that she has made for uh, 60 plus years of that, of her life for me. I would do anything, she asked me, because I love her, because I'm in awe of the love she has for me. Not because I think she's going to spank me if I don't. 
We submit to one another because we are so loved by God. We have such an amazing example. How could we do otherwise? We will do anything to please him, to honor him, to represent him. Not because we're afraid of him, but because we're in awe of him. We are in awe of him. Think about this. Not only did he uh, divest himself or, or uh, lay aside his his uh, divine prerogatives, his privileges, his rights, he laid all of that aside for me. But not only did he do that, he taught us when his disciples came to him and they were arguing about who's, who's going to be, you know, the, uh, have a higher rank in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Have you, have you heard anything I've said? Have you watched me at all? I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And those who are going to have the highest rank in my kingdom are the one who takes the lowest place. It's exactly opposite of what the world is serving up to us, but so much more powerful. In John chapter 20, verse 13, we studied this earlier in the course of this particular series of messages, but I just want to remind you. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he laid aside his outer garments, a picture of that divesting of his divine prerogatives that I told you about earlier. He laid aside his outer garments, took a towel and tied it around his waist and did what the lowliest servant of the house would do. He washed the feet of his disciples. And afterwards he says, you know what I've done? They didn't want to answer because they were stunned. He said, here's what I've done. I've set an example for you. This is how you live in the kingdom of God. We serve each other. We wash one another's feet. Why do we... Why do we um, Submit to one another because he, we are in awe of his example, but also because it aligns us with authority. Now, when I get pulled over and the, because I'm going too fast and the police officer comes to the window and asks for my registration and license and my hands are shaking as I give it to him, the reason for that is because he's wearing a badge. The reason that I am a, you know, having a little bit of a panic attack right then is because that badge represents, represents a higher authority that could actually put me in jail. So there's a, thor, a transfer of authority. I just revealed way too much about me just then, but anyway... <laughs> There is a, 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 a uh, true authority always comes from submission to a higher authority. You and I, if we want to be people of true authority, the route to that is not to try to get to the high place. It's try to get to the low place. Because there, I align myself with the authority of God. And that's true authority, not the bluster of human flesh. So it aligns us with God's authority. It also is sheer obedience. Jesus said, do it. That's enough. I told a, the a dozen men and women that were baptized last week just outside in the patio out there. Actually, we didn't baptize them in the patio. We baptized them in the tank, but uh, it was right out there. I told them that if there wasn't anything else to this baptism business but this one thing, it would be enough. Jesus said, do it. 
And if you start to live your life that, just what, 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 are you, what are you saying to me? Let me do it. If you just live your life that way, oh man, let me just tell you, life gets really good, really good, really fast. Obey. So that's why we submit, or some of the reasons why we submit to one another. But I want to take just a few minutes before I let you go to talk about what submission looks like. Because I would like to try to see if we can take this concept of submitting to one another, esteeming one another greater than ourselves, and put some um, legs to it, kind of flesh it out so that we can really, uh, it becomes more than a concept to us. And that's what the Apostle Paul does here in Ephesians chapter 5. After, in verse 21, saying, submitting to one another in the fear of God, it begins to describe how submission works in one relationship, husbands and wives. Now, we all have, uh, I, I'm not Frank's husband, but we have a relationship and we are called to submit to one another. So this, how, some of the details about what's described here about how husbands and, and wives relate to each other in submission don't apply to Frank's and my relationship, but a lot of it does. So the Apostle Paul here uses this example to teach us what submission looks like in the other uh, relationships of our lives as well as our marriages. So help me by not only focusing on the marriage aspects of this, but let's look at that to see how it relates to the rest of our, of our lives and relationships. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm, I'm counseling a, doing some premarital counseling with a young couple that'll be getting married in August. They don't go to our church and they have some faith uh, you know, history in their background, but they aren't really walking with the Lord. And that's one of the reasons why I said that I would um, perform the ceremony because I wanted to be able to have uh, what I require as four premarital counseling sessions with them so we could talk about Jesus. Anyway, in the course of that, one of the things I always uh, talk to um, young couples about, excuse me, is how we relate to each other, how husbands and wives relate. And in that, the word submission comes up. And as soon as I said the word, the, the young bride-to-be just reared up. And she was like so defensive. And she said, there's no way I'm going to submit to this man. And I thought, whoa. I thought, okay. Well, first of all, I, I knew she had it all haywire in terms of what she's thinking about submission anyway, because most people do. So, but I, I, what I said was, okay, let me get this straight. You want to marry him, but you don't trust him enough to submit to him. You're afraid he's going to take advantage of you. You're afraid he's going to make stupid decisions. You don't want to, in, your, in the way you imagine submission, you wouldn't want to do that because you don't trust him, but you want to marry him. What kind of sense does that make? Anyway, a little side note there, but um, I find that because the enemy has done such a good job of twisting up our understanding of submission, that so many married couples miss this blessing. So let's try to untie that just a little bit, and for the rest, for, for all of us, to, as I said, see submission lived out in this context, okay? 
It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now remember that this begins, the very verse right before this is submitting to one another. Then, wives, submit to your husbands. And then it's going to say, husbands, love your wives. Those are just how that calling of submitting to one, or get one another gets lived out by a, by a husband and by a wife. So we're not talking about which is that which is the common misconception that the Bible is saying here that women as a class or as a sex are somehow uh, below men. That somehow they are second class citizens. Women, submit to your, your uh, masters, the men. That's not, that's not what it's saying here. In fact, it's not even talking to women. It's talking to wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. First of all, this kind of submission cannot be taken. It cannot be demanded. It cannot be enforced. It can only be offered. And it is to the Lord. To the Lord. Now, my wife came into our marriage. She, as a symbol of her tucking herself into that place of submitting to me, she took my last name. And she began to allow um, God to work me over because she was going to submit to me in the Lord. Whatever me as her bozo husband might do stupidly, she could still trust God, right? So whether it's in a marriage relationship or in my relationship with Frank, I can submit, we can submit to one another because what we're really doing is trusting God, right? I'm submitting to the Lord. No offense, Frank, but it, I'm, tr I'm trusting him, right? <laughs> it goes on to say, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. And we use the term so often head to be about rank, about position, that we don't understand what's being said here is not anything about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's this very odd passage that you might have, uh, 10 or 11, I can't remember, 11. Where you, some of you have probably encountered it, where it talks about uh, head coverings, and uh, you know people got, have developed this whole theology about how women can't have short hair, men can't have long hair because that's what it says there. It, it's so messed up. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's talking about protection. It says in there that a, a wife, not women generally. A wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. And it says that that covering is her husband. It's not a position. It's not a place from which he lords it over her. 
It's a place he rushes into because of the angels. That word angel could be, um, can be used, it's generic. It can be either divine angels or demonic angels. It's depending on the context. And that context is clear that we're talking about demonic angels. And because there is so much evil at work in this world, there is such an unleashing of the kingdom of darkness all around us when we are always being bombarded by the demonic spirits that are at work in this world, because of that, the way a husband submits to his wife is by shielding her, by stepping into that place that where he takes the blows. And her uh, expression of submission is to tuck herself under that place. It's, it's a beautiful expression of submitting. Not lording. Submitting. Husbands, verse 25 says, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands demonstrate their submission to their wives by sacrificial love. Like Christ loved the church. Gave himself for the church. A husband shows his submission to his wife by sacrificial love. And that's true of how we submit to one another in every relationship. It's out of sacrificial love. And it goes on to say that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or anything, any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. In other words, a husband submits to his wife by making sure she receives all the benefit. That she is benefited in every way. She is better off because of how he treats her. Because of the way he covers her. Because of the way he supports her. Because of the way he submits to her. That's the way Jesus loves us. And he says that's how we model submission to one another. It ought to be that in my friendship with you, Brandon, that you're better off because I've served you, because I've humbled myself for you, I've esteemed your, your needs greater than mine. It ought to be that you are benefited, not me. It, and that's the way that submission works. I esteem you greater than me. It goes on to say here that Part of that benefiting is coming from the washing of water by the word. Uh, in uh, verse 26, it might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The word that, that word, word, is, is um, bringing us back to an understanding not just of the written word of God, but the person who is the word of God. John chapter 1 says this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's talking about Jesus. Later in that same chapter, it says that that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God became flesh and walked among us and showed us how to live this way. So, a husband and wife, when they, as they submit to each other, part of how the husband's submission is expressed is that he puts the word of God in flesh and lives in obedience to the word of God. And as he does, there's a cleansing process that's happening. 
There's something that is benefiting his wife as he consistently lives a godly life before. It's like the, like the debris of the stain of this world is being washed away from both of them as they live out this beautiful um, dance of submission. And this is just, there's so much here that's just, you know, uh, focused on husbands and wives, but I think you can see that a lot of it does show us, puts, puts uh, flesh on the bones of what submission looks like, that we can, we can carry with us into every relationship. It's voluntary, it's not demanded, taken or forced. It's to the Lord. It is sacrificial love. And it's motivated by a deep desire to benefit the other. And it is the Word made flesh. This is recording number 11217 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 26, 2016. This is the eighth message in a series titled, One Another. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Submitting.